It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. This afternoon, the second part of that anchor that we're going to focus on is God's character. I'm already holding on to the Word, but if you're like me, there's times in my life where I really, I know the Word, I know it here, but do I hold on to it because I'm convinced that God does not lie? Am I really convinced about that? And that's what we're going to look at this afternoon. I am going to hold fast to that what God says is true about him, regardless of whether I believe it or not, is true. Because we come to him and we have been listening and entertaining Voices in our heads that are off base. They're not lining up with what the Word of God says, and we just start listening to them, and it's easy to believe it after a while. But a good test of an anchor is a storm, not smooth sailing, still pond. And storms will come. And no matter how hard you work to hold yourself together, there will come a day where the real you comes out. Be prepared for it. Start today with getting the right anchor. You will look a lot more attractive in that storm if you have the right anchor today. Doesn't mean it's pretty, but you're not embarrassing the mess. You you hold together better. So don't wait till the storm gets worse because we're going to work through this afternoon some examples of what it means to apply holding on to Jesus as an anchor. What does that really look like when I walk out of here and go home and face home. What does it look like? So we're going to have this database in front of us. As a reminder, we have what the Word says, the promises, the instructions for life that God has given us. Do not steal the cucumber, those kind of plumb lines. But these are the the anchors of why God is a better anchor. Just look at them again. Just review it. God does not change. Because we're going to pull from these as we give our examples today. He is present everywhere. He knows everything, everything. He's all-powerful. The earth is the Lord's, and he's eternal. We just want to keep them where we can see them because we're going to pull from them. There's another, there's another concept that says that the name of the Lord is descriptive of his character. It's, it helps some. Um, if you look in the Bible, he calls himself by many different names. It makes a great study in your own quiet time. Take a whole year to study the names of God. And the more you learn about what his character is like, the more you find that you can trust him. Um, There's a verse in Proverbs 18.10 that says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are kept safe. Now, a strong tower back in the day was literally just a tower and had a door closer to the top. And it was fully provisioned for months so that when an enemy was going to start and come and, and take over a, um, a country, the royalty would run, like grab your kids and run to the strong tower. There was a ladder that you could get up into the tower, and then they pull the ladder in, and you're safe there as royalty for a couple months while the battle's raging out there. So it's like this racing to get to the strong tower, and then you're kept safe. So I spent a year teaching the names of God. And I, and I taught this at a Bible study. And the more you teach something, the more you learn the most out of everything. 
And I just listed some of them here. There are so many more. But some of the ones that stood out to me, El Shaddai, he is El Shaddai. He is sufficient for all of your needs. Now, this is a little awkward name because the word Shad actually means breast. And you're like, wow, you're getting real weird on me now, Deb. But if you've ever nursed a child, there is nothing that will satisfy but that mother. She has everything that child needs. He has everything that we need. He's better than the giant Walmart. Everything that you need. So think about it. There are times that you just need a friend. There's times that you need counsel, comfort. You need finances. I mean, everything that you need, you go running to him. God, I'm just, I feel like I'm lacking. I'm empty. There's chaos. I need you to bring order. Run to him. He says, my name says that I've got everything. And I've got unlimited resources because the earth belongs to me. The next one, Elion. He is sovereign. He's in control. Have you heard a theme today? God's got it. He's in control. I do not have to understand what is going on because he does. Do you ever see, um, you ever work with preschoolers on a playground? There is a lot of chaos going on and a very calm teacher because she's in control of the class. Even though the circumstance looks rather crazy, she's like, this is good. I got it. Adonai, he is Lord. He's master. There's nobody higher than him. Nobody higher. He's Jehovah Nisi, which means he's my banner. You look up at this banner. God lifts up your head and there's victory. You look up to him. I get my eyes. What's that old, you know, where's my help come from? I look up, my help comes from the Lord. I got to look up because we tend to look down. We're looking around. God says, you look up, lift up your head, pick up your countenance. I'm in charge. I got it. You're on your back on the ice. Look up. I've got it. Sometimes we see him better when we're laying on our back. Jehovah Rapha, he's the God that heals. He heals you to wholeness. Your body, your mind, your emotions. We're talking about brokenness today. We don't just break our, our foot. We break our parts of our, our spirit. We break parts of our, our feelings, our emotions. God says, I'm going to put it back together and make something absolutely beautiful out of it. I think a lot of you are probably here because somebody who was broken, who was rebuilt, told you about the rebuilder, and it gave you hope. So anything that's broken in you that God puts back together, somebody else needs to hear about it. You're, you're the hope that for them, you're going to tell them what Jesus did. Jehovah Shema, he is there. Now this is a tough one. Jehovah Shema was in the towers on 9-11. He was there when you were ridiculed in elementary school. He was there when your husband walked out. Jehovah Shema was there, and you may go, well, if he was there, why didn't he stop it? That's a legitimate question, isn't it? But God's perspective is different than ours. He is still in control, and he was there. I have seen God bring so much healing in memories for women 
from some really painful times when he reveals to them later that he was there in that moment that was so hard. God says, I was there for everything. Jehovah Tiskanu, he's your righteousness. When you don't feel like looking at your life that you you have any reason to be able to stand in front of God, you got all these name tags on your chest, God says, I'm the reason that you can stand confidently before the throne because I'm your righteousness. Jehovah Meshkodeshim, he's the one who sanctifies you. He takes you and sets you apart. You belong to me. You are mine. You don't belong to the world. You belong to me. You're Elohim. You're the creator. Women are so picky about their bodies. I mean, we work so hard to fix what we think are blemishes. Elohim said, man, I didn't screw up at all with you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You can run to that name of God with all of your lipsticks and cover up. He's jealous. He is jealous when you look to somebody else as an anchor. It's only his spot. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. Now, the one thing that, that's challenging when you learn about that name is Abraham's obedience of putting Isaac on the altar precedes God saying, I'm the provider. So when you don't walk in obedience, the Jehovah Jireh doesn't bless the disobedient child. Isaac's laying on the altar. The knife is coming down. Jehovah Jireh steps in. A lot of times we think Jehovah Jireh means he's Santa Claus. You know, I just need to claim it in faith. And God's going, Phew, there's this whole other side we got to talk about. He's Jehovah's Shalom. He's your peace. It doesn't mean that there's no wind blowing. There's no other bad drivers driving their boat near you who've been drinking all day. It doesn't mean that the environment is peaceful. It means that you can have perfect peace because your mind is steadfast on God. That's what it means. The last one I wrote on here is Jehovah Sabaoth. He's the Lord of hosts. He is in the front of the army that fights for each of us. These are just some of the names. There's many more names. And, and then I'm going to work so three examples and really tell you from my own life, what did it look like to hang on for dear life? What this looked like in the life of Debbie Kieber. Situation number one, I have two sons. Um, Chip is here, he's 22. I have a 19-year-old named Dan who was away at college. When I was pregnant with Dan, I had a supercell hit my life. I had a tremendous sneezing fit. I mean, we're not talking about the cute little thing. It's called like allergic to all the, the hay that's in your neighborhood. Huge sneezing fit. And I woke up the next day and I thought I had lost him during the night. It was a really traumatic wake up. So I went to the doctor and they took a look and I tore my uterus. I had a big hole in my uterus. And they said, if you sneeze even a little bit, you're going to lose that baby. Well, I have allergies and I live in Hocassin. This is not a good combination. I might as well just stay inside. And so I, that was really traumatic. And, and it, it shook me up. You know, and you have, to, you have no choice. You have to go to work. You have to walk through life. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. And, and every week, we're getting the level two. Back then, the level two was like the big maha of ultrasounds. That's kind of like the old Polaroid picture now compared to what they have. And 
Every week, it's getting a little better, Debbie, a little better. I finally got that phone call that said, you're all healed up, you're home free. Great. The next day, I get a phone call and says, you know that triple screen test you took? You are off the chart for Down syndrome. If you choose to abort your baby, you have a few-day window to do that. Any questions? No. And I hung up. And emotionally, I was just like, you don't know how to process that. Now, because I had the cucumber story, I knew the plumb line that said that God blessed that baby. So an abortion was not in my, was not in my options. But I did the next best thing that, my, that a strong Christian woman would do. I tried calling my husband. I called my parents, my in-laws, my pastor, my best friends. Nobody would pick up the phone. Nobody. Did you ever say, why weren't you there when I needed you? And now I'm getting irritated with all my false anchors because nobody is there when I need them. And how ironic that on my lap, because I'm teaching it in a few days, are all the notes about Jehovah Shema. And I look down. Jehovah Shema, God is present at all times. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, I'm here. And I began to hold on for dear life to this truth. God, you are sitting on the couch with me. You just heard that conversation. And you know how I'm just a mess. I mean, my emotions have been raw anyhow because I've been bleeding for four months. And I finally felt it was all good. And now I get hit with this. And I'm overwhelmed and nobody cares because nobody answers the phone. I had a little pity party. And I just felt like God said, come here. Come here. Go ahead. Vent. Because Jehovah Shema is there. And I began to hold on to him. That was my initial response. And I began to run to the names of God. God, you are El Roy. You are the God who sees everything. And I began to think, you can see how my child is forming. You, you're the best ultrasound out there. And you are Elohim. And if my child has Down syndrome or any other handicap, my child is fearfully and wonderfully made. And you did not screw up. And I begin to talk myself down off the ledge with the names of God. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. I have five more months. And I made the choice not to do uh, any testing to see if he really did have any DNA issues. I just decided to ride it out. That was some of the counsel in those days. But God, you need to be my peace. Because circumstances, I'm still bleeding. I'm still wondering how my child is. But you've already got that knowledge, but you're not telling me what it is. I need to just focus on you. You have got to be my peace. You are the shepherd. God, pick me up and squeeze me so hard to your chest because I feel very overwhelmed. And that's what it looks like to just hold on to the name of God in an environment that there was no answer. And I have well-meaning friends that pat you on the back, good Christians that go, it'll be all right. That doesn't hold up. How do you know it's going to be all right? You don't know. He knows. Just tell me you're praying with me. I had to hold on to what the Word said. Romans 8, 28. We, we quote it all the time, right? 
God will always bring good out of all circumstances for those who love him, called according to his word, blah, blah, blah. God, you will bring good out of this moment because you don't lie. I don't have to understand what you're doing, but you will bring good. Will bring good. I don't understand why you didn't conceive naturally. Because God wanted Emily to be in your family. You don't have to understand everything. You hold on to the truth of what the Word says. And He says to give thanks in all circumstances. That's a nice verse too, until you're not happy. And so what I did, I made another chart. That's in my DNA. And I made this chart. On one side, I said, I, I, God, you're going to bring good out of this, and I will, be, I will have reasons to say thank you, but I'm going to choose right now to say thank you. I don't understand. If I lose this child, if I miscarry a baby, these are the blessings that will come out of my life from that. These are why I'm thanking you for this. And you may think, well, what good? You know what? Every woman who has lost a baby her heart breaks for someone else who lost a baby. And you can minister to them in a way that a woman who's never lost a baby can minister to them. God brings good out of it. Then in the middle, I wrote, um, if, I, if I have a child with special needs, here's reasons why I can be thankful. And I'm a physical therapist. And so I spend my day working with people with different handicaps, special needs, and I started thinking, you know, if this child has a special need, he's being born in a family that has a therapist in the house. That could save some insurance. I was like, I was getting desperate. I just started writing things. God, I'm choosing to thank you for these things. And if I have a healthy son or daughter, then I will have learned a lot this year about trusting you. And I held on to that because I decided I'm going to be a winner however this turns out. God, I don't have to understand it when I'm in the midst of the storm. So two weeks late, Dan was born at 813 size. But you know what? Five months of that waiting. What happens when you're holding on to the right anchor? I had peace. I had joy. It doesn't mean there was not a time where I went, oh my gosh, what happens if? I would hear myself say it. I would run to the anchor. God, you already know. What you, what you start to focus on gets bigger. So that immediate thought of worry, anxiety, mm -mm. that's not you. That's a red flag. God, I trust you. Elohim, bless every cell that's developing right now in this baby. Bless him. Bless his future. Bless his future. You know, I had this adorable, I still do, still have an adorable kid, but this cute little kid with a, a cute haircut, that skater cut, for which I'm constantly ridiculed that I let him have it. And I this cute little kid, two and a half years old, I didn't lose five months with him because I was worried about a child I hadn't met yet. You can lose the blessing of today when you're worried about something else. I didn't lose it. I find it interesting that Satan, who tried to kill Daniel in utero by tearing my uterus, trying to get me to have an abortion, try to make me get all anxious about stuff that I had no control of. Dan was born nice and healthy, and Dan has spent over a 1,000 hours with Special Olympics because he loves it, 
and he loves the buddies who have Down syndrome. Do you think that's an accident? It's one of those aha moments. So I, he didn't change my pregnancy. He didn't just like, in the name of Jesus, heal that uterus. No, I had to like walk through that. I had to walk through not knowing. But because I made a choice to hold on to the anchor of Jesus Christ, hold on to what his word said, declare his character over that moment, he settled this goldfish right down to enjoy life where she was. Second one, go ahead and put the picture of Mary up there. Um, Mary McGowan, I shouldn't look at her. Um, Mary McGowan used to be my babysitter. She was my mentor. She was my Bible study leader. She was that really cool girl that told you the exact same thing that your parents did, but because she was cooler at the time, I listened to her. Um, she just has a huge role model in my life. I called her mom number two. I have a fantastic mom number one. She was a mentor to this mother, but this was like the younger, cool mom. You know what I'm saying? In 2003, I was in Canada at a conference, and um, I, I talked to mom. We didn't have cell phones back then, I don't think, but I talked to mom, and Mary had been killed on the day before Thanksgiving, loading her car with food and stuff to take to a women's shelter. Mary never married. Mary had hundreds of kids as a, a youth person. And I was one of her little girls. And so instantly Mary was gone. And it, it, my initial response, if you're looking at that chart, was uh, anger at the driver. He was a repeat offender. Grief. I'm in another country. And I'm with friends, but I'm not with the family that's going to help me process this. Uh, so I felt very alone up there. I had no goodbyes. You know, that's hard. That's a hard way to lose somebody. That was a supercell that hit. And so I, I grabbed the anchor of the word, and I went back to those similar passages. God, I am so broken, but you will bring good out of this someday. I trust you. I thank you in all circumstances. My, my second mom just died, and I'm thanking you. Not because I'm feeling it, because I'm choosing to hold on to that. What good is coming out of this? You know what? Mary had her hope anchored in heaven, and he pulled her in. That man did not kill her. It was time for her to go home. And I held on to those. What else does the word say? Debbie, in Ecclesiastes, there is an appointed time to live and to die. I chose that day. I know that you were in another country. I know. That was her day. I want her with me. And Demi, I'm going to talk right to your heart. you got to forgive that man. Are you kidding? He has done this before. Do you want me to forgive you? Of course. Forgive him. And so these are some of the plumb line, the standard that I need to align myself with. And I'm, and I'm doing this while I'm grieving up in Canada. And then the character of God that I need to hold on to. We say this all the time. God is good. And all the time, God is good when he takes your second mother. 
all the time. In this time, God is still good. Changes it a little bit, doesn't it? God, you are Elyon. You are still in control. Could you have pushed the car another direction? Yes. But you are still in control. And I trust you. You are the comforter. And the ways that you comfort me, I will one day be able to comfort somebody else when I stand at a funeral. And your ways are higher than my ways. He sees such a larger perspective than we do. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. And I'm on the floor up in Canada during prayer ministry trying to hold all this together. But this is what's going through my head. God, you're still good. We live in a world where there's a lot of bad, but you are still good. Nothing is out of your control. And I need you to hold me together. He said, no, cry it out. All right. That sounds pretty natural right now. And so I start to cry, and something starts being sung over us to the whole conference, a song that I had loved, loved, played at Bible study. Blessed be your name. On the road marked with suffering, with pain in the offering, blessed be your name. We know it, don't we? Give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. And I'm going, oh, really? What a great song. You took her away. Blessed be your name. I'm singing it not because I'm feeling it, I'm choosing to walk in this. And I'm on the floor, which was common up there. You kind of lay down on the floor and they pray over you. And I'm, I'm crying and singing, blessed be your name. I am choosing to say, you give and take away, blessed be your name. And all of a sudden I get a vision. Now a vision is something God can give you when you're awake. Kind of like I could say, picture a banana, and right now you can picture a banana. Okay, I have my eyes closed. And God gave me a vision. He met me in a very powerful way that changed my whole dealing with Mary's death. How many of you guys ever watched um, Goldberg in Sister Act? You will show your age when you raise your hand. Okay? Whoopi Goldberg was, was a larger woman. Mary was larger. And, and in this vision, Mary had on like the Whoopi Goldberg. Can you just picture her in the choir? I'm not going to dance more than that because you'll need counseling. But... She had that kind of outfit, and she's walking away because Jesus is up ahead. He's like walking, like, like walking away, right? I'm not actually seeing her. He's just giving me a picture. Mary turns around, and she throws a baton at me. Now, I am laying on the floor. I'll try not to have technical difficulties. I go, whoa. When nobody else knows what's going on in my head. And I am laying, yes, yes, I will do it. I'm like, what am I saying yes to? Loving teenage girls and 20-year-olds women. I will carry on what you are doing, Mary McGowan. And at the time, I was kind of afraid of those that age population because there's a lot of drama there. Right? But there was something profound that happened to me. Jesus, you are so excited to have Mary with you. And I got this 
feeling of like Mary's going, yes, do not pray for me to come back to life. Like, no. Right? I want to stay put. Debbie, carried on. You just don't see what God was doing at the time. Years later, I love girls 16 to 25, 28. Now, I love you guys too, but I'm just saying, there is something that ignited in me over these years for that age population. And it took losing Mary to do it. I look at her and I think to myself, her anniversary of her death is coming up in November. That was the day that her anchor was pulled in. Her boat was pulled into the anchor. And I'm really thankful that I have an anchor embedded next to her anchor in heaven. And there will be a day when Jesus says, Debbie Kiefer, it's your day. I'm bringing you home. And Sister Act Mary is going to be at the entrance. And I'm going to turn around and throw a, a baton at one of you guys. He brings perspective that's different. Helps you walk through. He didn't bring Mary back, but he changed me in the process. And the last one I want to share about, I think this one, well, I think we can relate to a lot, but this one especially. Is there somebody in your life, and don't raise your hand, don't point at anybody, who you have been praying for for a long time to either come to Christ or to come back to Christ? I think everybody should say, yeah. I am thankful that God's story, the way he writes it, is the right story. As Laura so beautifully shared, what your plans were were different than God's plans. And he sees the full picture. He knows what he's good at this. He's been, he's been in control a long time, more so than us. When you are praying for a prodigal of any age, whether it's your children, your spouse, or just someone you really care about, the emotions, the situations that you would describe are often frustrating, disappointed, scared. There's a, there's a side of us, especially as, as mothers, where we get nervous for our kids. We get nervous for them. And when we get nervous and we feel out of control, we have this reaction inside of us to panic. Because we feel so passionately about it, I am going to force you to do what I want you to do. I will force your actions to change. Frankly, I'm not terribly concerned about your heart because I just want you to stop doing this. We now do that. We are very tactful. We cry. We stomp our feet. We give the look. We know how to buy books for people that we just think they should read. <laughs> we know how to sign them up for conferences. Because the cheesecake is good. I don't know what it's about, but the cheesecake is worth coming for. Come. We know how to do that. We know how to nag. We know how to argue. Silent treatment. We just know how to do it. And let me tell you something. None of it works. 
And when someone gets a whiff that you're doing that, there is something inside each one of us that goes, I don't care how eloquently you try to nag me. I am no longer listening to you. Which makes us madder and more controlling. So what do you do with that? Because, I mean, bottom line is you love the person. And you know that, that following away from the Lord is going to hurt them. And so you want to do everything you can to get them back on track. And the breakthrough comes when you lay the Isaac on the altar and you step back away. Because God's Word has practical tips for that moment. And his character is impeccable on how he handles that person. Frankly, he knew how to handle us. How many of us, just raise your hand on this one, at one time in your life was that one that was running from God? And if your hand is not up, we're going to pray about denial. (laughs) I mean, we each have our story, and we kind of forget what we were like. If you're not sure, ask your mother. Ask your Sunday school teacher. They'll tell you. So what was the word that I started to hold on to? Actually, we can go to the next picture. I don't think I keep handle watching Mary's face. What was the word, what was the word that I held on to? Now, these, t- these scriptures were typically more from a mother to a child, but they can apply to any of the family members I'm talking about. And I studied these. I journaled them. I had them on three-by-five cards. Now, I did not have them plastered around the house, hoping that my child would read it and come under extreme conviction. I had them tucked away. I had them in my pocketbook, had them in my car, and I really began to memorize them because I would begin to declare what I was memorizing. Lamentations 2.19. Again, you can get all these scriptures. They're not going to be up here. You can get them on the, on the movie when it's done. Arise, Debbie, cry out in the night. That's usually when I cried. As the watches of the night begin, pour out your heart like water. There was a lot of water pouring out in the middle of the night. In the presence of the Lord, lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children. Get up at night and get on your face and pray for your kids because that's the nighttime, that's when you're worried about it. Pray, intercede, I'm telling you it's okay. It's okay to cry. You're coming to me, intercede for your kids. 3 John 4, this is the one thing I had sitting out. This is still hanging by my dishes. I will have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. I declared it. When there was butting heads, and it went both ways, Jesus, I declare that there will be a day where my children will be walking in the truth and my joy will be full. I'm not seeing it right now. I'm declaring it. I'm holding on because you don't lie to what you promised me. I'm holding on to it. Isaiah 54, 13. All your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. You are the Holy Spirit teacher. I mean, I have exhausted everything I can think of to teach my kids And all it's doing is making them want to run out the door. Debbie, be a parent, love them, set boundaries, and then shut up. I'm the teacher. 
He knew how to reach me. He can reach them. If you are trying to change a husband, let the Holy Spirit change them. I mean, frankly, do you like to be around someone who's constantly telling you how you have to tweak something? Really? You know, we don't like that. Well, neither do our husbands and kids. Because if you feel like somebody's always going to be criticizing you for something, do you want to be home? Let the Holy Spirit teach them. Isaiah 55, 11 is about blessing what's come out of my mouth. So the word that goes out of my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You know, there's a lot of times you speak things and you think it just goes in one ear and out the other. It is seed. It's the word of God. God bless the seed. Bless the seed that's in there. I planted bulbs in my yard in the fall when things were hard. I bless them. God, there will be a day where there's blooms. But I will walk through the winter and wait for the spring. And I'm thankful to say that I have a lot of bulbs in my children coming up. And it's beautiful. But whether it's your child or your spouse or that brother or sister, it doesn't matter. Bless the seed that's there. Let God deal with it. He is good at this, much better than us. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance from what we don't see. My hope is that the bulbs are going to come up through the surface. My hope is not in anything that I can do. God, I'm not looking at what I'm seeing on the outside. My hope is in what's coming. Isaiah 59, 11, As for me, this is my covenant, a promise with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I've put in your mouth will always be on your lips and on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever. God, generations of blessing of children who walk in you. That's what I'm asking for. That is what God wants. And I'm stepping back out of the way and letting you do what you have to do. You know, when you focus so much on how somebody else needs to change, it is amazing how ugly you get. How ugly you get because you're so critical, right? So critical and stuff. I believe that sometimes God waits to move until you get out of the way. We, I think we just get in the way. God, I need to trust you. Your character, you're present all the time. I don't know what Daniel is doing right now. He's at Regent University. But God sees him. God knows. And so I don't have to sit here panicking because, you know, he just doesn't text as often as I would like. Dan, I hope you see this one day. But God sees. God sees what he's doing. God reigns. He's sovereign. And I begin to declare these things over the lives of my children. I took each of those scriptures. And in the challenging times, I begin to declare it, pray it. And my confidence, my courage, my backbone began to strengthen. 
And the other thing I discovered was that as much as I thought these different family members needed to change, lo and behold, I needed to change probably even more. That was a hard pill to swallow. I began to do homework on how the mother of the teen should behave. And I read some books on that. And there's nothing like having a kid look at the book you're reading and saying, that'd be a good book for you. (laughs) But then later for them to say, I just want to tell you, I think that book is working. I needed to change. I absolutely needed to. Take the plank out of our own eye before we're picking at somebody's splinter. God works better when I get out of the way. It takes the pressure off. And you know, I have great kids. I had great kids all through their teenage years, and everybody else told me about that, how great your kids are. And you lose sight of how awesome your husband is or how great your kids are when all you're looking at is the negative. They're still great. Start looking for it. Even on our worst PMS cranky day, there is still something beautiful about each one of us. I want someone to look at me when I'm a mess and going, Debbie, I really appreciate this factor about you. Well, I can't see it. It's still there. I'm going to focus on that until the rest of this stuff goes away. That's what we need to do. What I focus on becomes bigger. Wow. Let's pull this together. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. When the storms hit, when the hopeless situation appears in front of you, God is still king. He is still in control. His word is still true. His character has not wavered. And he sees your life on a much larger scale than, he see, than we see today. And ultimately, I mean, God cares about our little hang-ups today. His eye is on heaven, and he will do anything he needs to do to bring the lost to heaven, even at the expense of us being comfortable. It didn't bring him tremendous joy to see Mary get struck. But Jesus Christ was looking at the hundreds of people that would be impacted because he would bring her home right then. His perspective is so far beyond ours. And I need to focus on those things in the midst of the storm. And it doesn't take the storm away, but it holds, the anger holds. Steadfast right there. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that He has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more.